don't understand. No, you don't understand. So let me make it clear for you and your pack of freaks here. I'm the quarterback. You're on my team. Got it? But I guess you never played football in high school. No, you're right. I didn't. I stayed in and studied like a good little nerd. And 15 years later, I'm one of the greatest minds of the 21st century. And the big jock who played quarterback in high school, he's standing right in front of me asking me for my help. And I say he's not going to get a damn thing unless he does exactly what I tell him and starts treating my friends and me with some respect. And now it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Gentlemen, you're up. <laughs> Comics Monthly Mondays. So who's bringing us in? Turned out my fan. Not me. I guess I'll bring us in. <laughs> Which number is this? Do we know? Uh, 61. 61. Alrighty. <clears throat> everyone, uh, everyone good to go? Or? I'm good to go. go. Hey everybody and welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday. This is Comics Monthly Monday number 61 as a matter of fact. I am Michael Bailey and I have the usual collection of sketchy characters with me this time out. I have Mr. Scott Gardner. Hello. The H stands for... Hell no, I won't tell you what the H stands for. <laughs> and we have the Snowbound and probably about to go a little stir-crazy Mr. Chris Honeywell. Hi. <laughs> it's it's a minor <laughs> blizzard, really. It's done and over. A couple shovels in the driveway and it was, it was dealt with. Just as long as you don't, in the middle of the... Uh, the episode scream out i ate my roommate i mean (laughs) i think we'll be fine eating my own fingers yeah if you hear any snapping (laughs) noises and crunching noises i'll save that for walking dead wednesday (laughs) that's a little more appropriate uh man so what what do we got we we've got you know we've got our usual you know make chris read a goddamn superhero comic we've got a kind of a, a we've got kind of a freaky freaky five but, uh, Scott, you got anything comic book-wise to bring to the table for this episode? I do, actually. I have some shout-outs that I need to give, some of which are long overdue. 
I was just mentioning in Comics Monthly Monday how our buddy uh, Biblio Mike Petit sent me some Star Trek comics. Along with those Star Trek comics, he all, uh, also sent me a book that I have long wondered about. I did not have this book in my collection previously. And uh, like I say, it's just one of those ones I have just always kind of wondered about. Also, um, hey, Mike, don't forget your appointment here on Tuesday, March 26th of <laughs> 2013 at 4 p.m. Because this is the bookmark that you uh, that you put in here. I just noticed this bookmarking a, uh, a Mark Wade chapter. Of it this was book. negative, I take it. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so. Uh, this is The Further Adventures of Superman. All New Adventures of the Man of Steel, edited by Martin H. Greenberg. And uh, I've seen this book around before. I remember when this came out, actually. I think, I could be wrong, but I think I used to have the book dump topper to this from like Walden books or something like that with the, with the picture that's actually on the cover of the book. I don't think I own it anymore, but uh, I used people are doing while they're reading books. <laughs> well, that's what Chris does. Takes, he takes a book dump, but uh, I used to have quite the collection of those sorts of things. And uh, you know, just by moving so many times over the years, I've lost a lot of the ones that I've, I used to have, but uh I do think I had this one, but like I say, I've never read this. I've always wondered about it. I've heard mixed things, and uh, Mike got a hold of me and just said, hey, you want this book? Are you curious to check it out? And I was like, yeah, you know, I never turned down a book. So thank you very much, Mike. I uh, will be checking it out, and uh, I did not know it had a Mark Wade story in it, so now I'm very curious to check it out. Also on my list of uh, shout-outs. Don't get, don't get too <laughs> well, that's what I've heard. So I'm 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 going into it with, uh, you know, with with low expectations. So we'll we'll see what comes of it. Um, this was an incredibly uh, this this shout out is incredibly long overdue because this came to me ages ago. Uh, but from our buddy Johnny Bueno, he sent me a copy of the uh, June 2013 Entertainment Weekly magazine, the one that was celebrating 75 years of Superman. And I just wanted to say thank you very much because I have gotten a kick out of it. There's a lot of really cool articles and different yes, things in are. here. So I do appreciate that very much. That was something I did not have in my collection. And lastly, Mark Comback just continues to send me awesomeness in the He's mail. He's on my shout regular. out list too. Dude, yeah, me, me he too, has actually. sent me so much stuff lately. And uh, in addition to, he sent me some Titanic books recently. He sent me some Disney books. In addition to all that awesomeness, uh, he sent me some comics recently. And man, you could not get just a, a wackier, uh, just grab bag of comics here. We have uh, Iron Man, uh, first series, number 101. This is a really nice copy of issue 101 this is the issue where iron man uh goes up against frankenstein's monster which i just i get a kick out of love the cover on this interior art not so much it's george tusca and mike esposito which i mean it's not horrible but i'm not a tusca fan by any stretch of the imagination but i love the cover on this um lassie 
by Dell Comics. I have no idea what it. Let's see what issue number is this. Issue forty-seven of Does Lassie. It is it that though? Is that with Timmy and Lassie on the cover? It is. That's it the is. one he put up that a picture of it. I have that very issue of Lassie <laughs> also. So now we have matching Lassie. All right, we're gonna have to do a, a Lassie special then. Oh, we'll have to. Uh, isn't that the one where Lassie gets heartworms? <laughs> Rabies <laughs> and kills the whole family. <laughs> Timmy has to go and shoot Lassie at the end of the issue. I think yeah. they wind up trapped in a car in the driveway while Lassie's like foaming at the mouth. It ended up being car. an imaginary story, but it still traumatized a lot. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one I we're a twisted group of people. Yes, we are. One I had never heard of before. Okay. I was looking here to see what the company was, and up in the corner so it just says CDC with a little uh, like compass-looking logo. And I'm like, what the hell company is this? This is Charlton Comics. I just didn't recognize it as Charlton Comics. This is an old-ass Charlton comic. This is from October 1963, Mysteries of Unexplored Worlds. And it's just a cool-looking old sci-fi comic. It's uh, it's got just enough weathering and everything on it to just give it character, you know. I really like the, uh, I like the look on the cover and uh, the interior looks really interesting too. I can't place the artist on this, but it just looks like fun. This this will make good like back to the bins fodder, I think, because this issue looks like it's just weird and wacky and it's about a muck monster, very swamp thing looking monster coming up out of the mud that just looks very cool. And then the one that was really wacky here from Archie Comics. This is uh, the January 1965 cover dated issue of The Shadow. And when I first saw this, I'm like, all right, this must be like just somebody else with the name of The Shadow. Because he's not wearing his trademark like flop hat or scarf or any of that. He's dressed. He's dressed all in blue with green gloves green shorts a green cape and like one of those like half masks kind of like the earth to robin so i really didn't think that this was the same shadow you know like the shadow knows shadow but then it says right on the cover uh that one of the bad guys is shiwan khan who is like the shadow's arch enemy so i guess it must be the same shadow but when the hell did the shadow ever dress up as a superhero so I was confused by this, but I'm looking forward to reading it because it looks like just pure wacky ass fun on this one. So should be good for a laugh if nothing else. <laughs> or maybe I should give the Devo laugh. Ha 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 ha. Sorry. Uh, as I'm flipping through, it does specifically reference lamont cranston so yes it is that shadow i'm gonna have to put some scans up of some of the pages in here so you guys can see this and just look at it and go wait a minute that's supposed to be the shadow this should be fun i'm looking forward to looking at this one and maybe doing an an episode about it because i am completely unaware of you know who it you know it just occurred to me all right the, the color scheme, not so much, but the design of the costume actually looks like if you were to add a cape to, do you remember when Steve Rogers stopped being Captain America and for a time he was a, a character called Nomad? Yes. Oh, okay, so if you were to take that Nomad costume and put a 
dark-haired guy in the costume, change the colors a bit, and add a green cape to it, that's the look that you've got. So that's... Oh, this is so weird. I'm, I'm just, I had no idea that the shadow had ever dressed up in anything like this. So that should be fun. Thank you so much, Mark and everybody. I, I got a kick out of all this stuff and, uh, keep sending them. I'm getting a kick out of them. Actually, Mark, uh, just contacted me, uh, a, a day or two ago and sent me pictures. He was like, here, here's something else I found. Do you want these? And it was a couple issues of Lone Ranger. And I'm like, hell yeah, I want them. So. I'm hoping I have some some issues of Lone Ranger headed my way because that looks like fun too. But that's all I got. What about you, Chris? I bought some comic books the other day. I went to a used bookstore with my roommate, and there's a whole whole bunch of comics, but there's bad signs walking in, whereas everything was way overpriced. It was a really like run down. It was ideal looking. It was run down. It was in a crappy part of town. So I get to the comics. Most of the comics are beat to shit. And of course, 90s comics. But I picked through them. I got like maybe a dozen of them and brought them up to the guy. I'm like, how much for the comics? He's like, two bucks a piece. And I'm like, eh, I would maybe give you 50 cents a piece for them. Because I'm talking like spine roll and, you know, they're, they're, they're reading copies for the most part. Some of them are in nice shape, but nothing really valuable. Anything that was potentially valuable, I think, is you guys might recognize. I'd, I might, there might be stuff. But um, one, um, I eventually, I got the whole stack of 12 for like five bucks. And, uh. Which I think was too much, but there's some neat, there's some good reading in here. So I got a whole bunch of Star Trek comics, and this is remember Scott, we were talking on Facebook about griping about the crappy art mm-hmm. from the last Star Trek Monthly Monday about the last Star Trek comic, and somebody chimed in and said, "Don't worry, in five issues, Peter David's coming in." Right. Well, I got issues 44, 46. 49 and 50 something mm-hmm. and and 49 peter david's the writer but right. i think it's a totally different it's a totally different run of star trek it's from 93 so that might be what he's thinking about because it's in the yeah, same there, there are two different there, right. two different came, peter david runs oh yeah, thank he god came in at the, he came in at the end of the original the 84 series okay good it, it, and then in when after Star Trek, I think it was after Star Trek Five, DC restarted it as kind of a new format book. Yes, yes, that's correct. And, yeah, and, and that's what I've was, got. And he wrote a bunch of those as well until apparently he was kind of he had issues with uh, the guy at Paramount that he had to deal with, uh. Uh, who apparently soured Peter David's relationship with Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and, and, and he was criticized for things like injecting humor into the book. Uh, when Peter David's idea, you know, you know, standpoint was, look, there's a lot of humor in the original series and in the movie that just and, comes up and yeah. it's just the, you know, the, the, the idea it was kind of, of a Spock, main ingredient really in a lot yeah, of ways, like the, the idea of Spock looking at Kirk and saying, I always thought you would make a convincing Nazi. I mean, that's funny, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so, there was constant, unless it's a, like, even in the most serious episodes still, it usually would end with a joke or a barb between 
Spock and McCoy. But but apparently uh, this guy was kind of soured on Peter David when he laughed in his face when uh, this guy said, and I quote, the best Star Trek comics ever were gold key. Oh. So. Well. <laughs> I enjoy those gold key comics, but yeah, come on. I, was ju- I just was reading some of them and going, wow, these are some convolute, this is some wacky writing. I got Howard the Duck number four. Um, oh wow! So Gene Colan art. Nice. Yep, we're gonna. I got um, Marvel Spotlight number twenty-five, Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, which is beat to shit. But Gil Kane cover, nice Gil Kane cover with the Cyclops and and battling skeletons. And here's one I never knew existed. It's from ninety-three or ninety-four. Ninety-four. Doctor Strange versus Dracula. Ooh. And a cover is, is looked, that a reprint? That, I, I think that's a reprint. I yeah. grabbed it because it looked like it had a Senkevitz cover, but it's someone whose initials are KB. But yeah, it's Marv Wolfman, Gene Colan, and Tom Palmer. Mm, that's team from, that. Yeah, that's from the first, I think it's the first Doctor Strange series. That's some good stuff. because It looks beautiful. Essentially, it's a crossover with uh, with Tomb of Dracula that uh, Colin also worked on. Because Dracula was a frequent, well, they were frequent foils for each other, mm-hmm. um, Doctor Strange and, and Dracula. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Doctor Strange that eventually put down Dracula. That's what that's. Not... I think that's how this ends. Yeah, good stuff. I, yeah, I've read those. So and, that was uh, a that. This one's in decent shape. It's it. Yeah, it's not really. <laughs> These ones are really beat up. But I got Mighty Thor 342, 357, and 358. So I'm getting back some of my Simonson mojo, and I might there you have. Go. To... But they're so goddamn expensive on eBay when I look them up. But then I open this up and I start looking at the art and going, oh my god, I forgot how... I didn't really forget how awesome it is, but boy, it comes rushing back. There's nothing half-assed about these comics at all. (laughs) They're just beautiful. So I might start trying to find the rest of these. Um, Daredevil 156, two issues before um, Miller jumped on. But inside, art by Gene Colan and Klaus Janssen. And it looks really nice. Um, a Beavis and Butthead mini comic from that was like a supplement to Wizard magazine. That's really looks stupid in just the right ways. I remember those little mini comics. I didn't know they ever did a Beavis and Butthead one. That's funny. It looks the the art is better than the like the Beavis and Butthead comics, or maybe it just looks better in the mini format. But it looks it looks it looks really neat. It looks more detailed. Um, Robo Hunter number one, which was a British. Right. It's a reprint of the 2000 AD stories. And finally, Vacation Special, Dennis Amenis goes to camp. 
<laughs> which is just one of those big, thick Dennis Menace comics. It's got a lot of like how to build a fire and how to make plaster casts of animal tracks and get in a canoe and which snakes to avoid. It's now classic. It, this is like the comic book that you find at somebody's camp. You know, you go to somebody has a camp in the woods and this would just be like stuck underneath the bed in the box full of Dennis Menace comics and right little dot and stuff like that. And I love stuff like that. It's really nicely, it's, you know, it's really nicely illustrated in that sort of early 60s sort of style. And um, I guess all I really got is I got shout out to Mark Kambach again. Um, sent me a beautiful print of like some of his artwork, a page from one of his comics. That's really nice. That will be hung in my hall of trophies. <laughs> and uh, sent me a bunch of... Um, um outland and um i think one like one bloom county it was like the last bloom county collection like two or three outland collections which i haven't read those in years and years and years so that was really fun to to read especially to see the evolution from bloom county to outland which I liked Outland a lot better than I liked Bloom County. So I that those those are great. Those are those are in our bathroom because the whole house wants to read those. Those are perfect bathroom books. And then they'll be retired to my hall of trophies. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, I, I think that's about it a- for me. I was about to say, I guess, I guess it's my turn. Uh, first, I wanna, I wanna do my shout out to Mark, <laughs> since we're all doing one. Uh, he drew a very uh, nice picture of me as Batman for my birthday, and posted it on Facebook. And I really thought that was cool. <laughs> I've never really thought of dressing up as Batman, so uh, it was Are nice to see to why. Think about it now. No, it was it was a good example of why I shouldn't do that, but it still <laughs> looked good. So. Um, so we had so I wanted to thank him for that. He also uh, back in October drew a really funny picture of me at work that I that I uh, that I really appreciated. So thank you for that. Uh, in terms of comics, I finally took out Scott Snyder's first run on Detective Comics. It was his first Batman work. Uh, it's all it's collected. Uh, I bought the issues, but uh, uh, about a year ago. But it's collected in the Black Mirror trade paperback or hardcover uh it's 10 issues and while it is sometimes a little too disturbing with the things that he did these were some of the best batman stories that i have read in quite some time and the most interesting thing about it is that it's it's when dick grayson was batman because it was right after bruce came back and he and Dick were both being Batman. This was a great storyline where he not only does a really good job of, of showing Dick in the role and the differences between Bruce as Batman and Dick Grayson as Batman, but also the villain of the piece. And this one, I'm, I'm going to spoil something uh, and the other thing I want to talk about, but I'm not going to spoil it here. Uh, the villain of the piece is somebody that was in year one that you would never really think of. And he's kind of the undercurrent of the 10 issues. 
But in those 10 issues, you had like three or four complete stories. And you don't see that a lot these days. Usually they want to do like six issues and that's your first big story. And then another six issue and that's your second. No, these were like three, three, and three. And they all had a linking thing. So it kind of felt like a TV show. But it also was just really like how I like to read comics. So I cannot recommend these books enough. The art was a little weird for me. But the writing by Snyder just made up for that. I'd also like to end the spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. I'm going to spoil the end of Forever Evil number six. Because it had something. It had two things really. That I did not see coming. And that I thought was absolutely awesome. One, in Forever Evil, when the crime syndicate came to the regular Earth, they had a, a hooded prisoner with them. And there was kind of like a little mystery surrounding who's the hooded prisoner, who's the hooded prisoner. That was revealed in issue six. And it was the most obvious thing ever. And I feel kind of thick-headed that I didn't realize that it was going to be Alexander Luther. But how could it not be Alexander Luther? Because <laughs> he is the hero of Earth 3. But uh, uh, he has, but he has superpowers, right? And how does he get his superpowers? He says Shazam backwards. <laughs> it was really, it was like one of these great endings. Like back, I, I don't know how you would Huzzahs. pronounce that, but uh, it was just in a in a world uh, where you know in these event books you don't really get really good cliffhanger endings. Ending on that note where not only it was revealed it was Alexander Luther, but it was also that he has the powers of the reverse Shazam. I thought it was a neat way and a neat way to end the issue, and it kind of made me excited for the the resolution. But uh, it, it kind of made reading the whole series worth it for that one moment because it was just like one of those things like I should have thought of that it was going to be Alexander Luther, but I could never have guessed that that was going to happen. And I haven't had that happen with a comic in a really long time. I'm also going to recommend, if you're not reading it, pick up Greg Pak. Uh, Greg Pak is currently writing action comics. <laughs> Just really good. Uh, it's really the Superman I like to see. Kind of like the Superman that's like, no, we're doing it my way. And uh, we're doing it my way because I'm right. And uh, you can either get on board or, you know, whatever. But I'm Superman, so... You know, it's not like he like throws up his middle fingers and says, you know, you know, f you bitches. But uh, but it's really nice to see kind of a decisive heroic. Like you were talking, Scott. You and I were talking off air about Superman's appearance in Jonah Hex. Yeah, and how it was kind of like that's how you want to see Superman. This is how I want to see Superman. Uh, it was a little burnish in ways too. So uh, just uh, just enjoying the heck out of action comics because of that. And that's really all I have. It's been a really light month comic book wise. Uh, I just haven't been doing all that much in terms of going to the stores or anything like that because uh, just haven't been really in the mood. But no, those that's really all I have for that. Cool. Wow, man. Wow, we're, uh, we're a bunch of exciting month. guys tonight. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the guy with the most comics tonight. I'm excited. <laughs> I think I'm not on camera. So Howard the Duck. How much did uh, Howard the Duck number four set you back? Uh, let's see. Uh, I got like. Let's see. Three, six, 
nine. Oh, I got more than a dozen. I got I got fifteen comics for five bucks. Oh, that's not bad. So at that's all. not bad. I mean, most of them are really. I mean, they're reading comics. They're like out of a twenty-five. You know, like. Um, like a fifty-cent bin. The Howard, the Howard the Duck one's in pretty decent shape. Um, but yeah, like the well, yeah, some of them are just. I mean, they're just they're just battered, battered and fried. The the ones that the the Daredevil one's in pretty decent shape. The Beavis and Butthead is in d- decent shape, and the Robo Hunter one, and the Star Treks are in are in decent shape. Everything else is just sort of like, yeah. <laughs> but like Scott said, except for the Thors, because I don't think of them as like old comics. They are old, but I'd rather not have them beat up. But stuff like the Dennis Amenis and. You know, like he was saying, that old Charlton, there, there, there's a certain character to him that, you know, once they've been read and they've been around, you know, that that I, I don't mind them being beat up. It's sort of it's sort of part of the appeal of having it, actually. Right. It so, gives them character. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I used to really stress condition on, on comics and certain ones I still do. But for the most part, I, I have learned to just. If I was trying to get a night, I'm never going to be like, I got to get a nice set of Dennis and Menaces together, you know? Right. So I, I just like to have a nice assortment of stuff like that, you know, to, cause I like reading it every once in a while. Right. I always pick up Richie Riches and, and Little Lulus and all that stuff because I used to read them when I was just but a wee lad, a wee prat. See, I'm that way with uh, you know particular books like like Popeye, for example. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, I I you know I'm like you. I can't imagine that you know I'd ever have a serious collection or a need to like have every single issue. Them, but, yeah. I mean, I would pick them up as I see them, you know, especially if it was like. You know, I'm in some secondhand shop, and you know, I see a bunch of issues for fifty cents or something. I would definitely pick them yeah. up. Yeah, I think it's nice that even in this day and age, there are still comics like that where you can just drop in and drop out. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, you definitely can with those. They're made for you know, they were made for like I used to get a lot of them when I was a kid. Say we'd be on vacation somewhere. And we'd stop by to get gas, and it's like, this will shut him up for a little while and toss a <laughs> Scooby-Doo comic back there, you know? Right. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I mean, specifically, I remember getting a Scooby-Doo on vacation. Like, I was either in Maine or Vermont at the time. We were in both states. But, you know, we stopped at a gas station. It's like, comic books. Or Yogi Bear or something like that. Right. LTS. Love that shit. <laughs> well, it's it's all you this month for uh, for the Freaky Five, dude. It was my idea, man. And since I'm such a funny guy, that was what my Freaky Five was. Top five funny comics, not funny books, but funniest comics. And I, I think it was you, Mike, that was like purposely funny, or <laughs> so I was going, yeah, purposely like, are we funny. Talking like like uh, any of the Rob Liefeld image books? Yeah, no, no, not, not nothing like purposely that. Purposely funny, because that that really widens the field into ridiculousness. <laughs> um, 
Nope. Something that was that set out to be funny, and um, and I disqualified Mad just because it was so easy a gimme, and I figured it might turn up on everybody's list. And, and to be fair, after a certain point, I don't think of that as a comic book. Yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah. a magazine anyways, so yeah, that, that's that was true. my thing with that. So, uh, well, I'll go first. Um, it, it, my list is not really in any particular order. These are books that just over the years I've read and, and, and just kind of chuckled at. Uh, sometimes laughed out loud even. Uh, number, fi- number five will be Quantum and Woody, which was an acclaimed book from the late 90s. It's recently come back, but uh, I haven't read any of the new stuff. But back in the, uh, in the late 90s, it was done by, written by Christopher Priest and drawn by Mark D. Bright, who I love. Uh, it's a really good team. Uh, usually when they get together, it's, it's good stuff. But basically, this was kind of a buddy comedy where you had these two people that uh, were caught in an accident and every so often they had to clang these two wrist things together or they would basically fade into nothingness. Uh, But they also had superpowers, so they kind of fought crime. And this isn't the funny part. Basically, it was a white guy and a black guy and the black guy was more white and the white guy was more black. And (laughs) this this came out... Like, they couldn't use the N-word... So they would just say N-word. And when you read that in text, it's kind of funny. It's a little awkward, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and there was this... There was this one... I'm laughing about it now. There was this one issue where... Um, the, the, the white guy was trying to explain something to his friend. And he goes, G-Rock down on bank. And there's like a beat where his friend just stares at him. And then it goes back to him. G-Rock was low on cash. And I, and I read that and I read it to my friends and we all just died. But, you know, we were in our early, our early 20s. So what the hell did we know? Uh, number four, Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool. I don't know if you guys have ever read any of Joe Kelly's run on Deadpool. It was hysterical. It, it was it was really it was just that kind of situational humor. Joe Kelly does well with humor. Uh, I don't think it worked as well when he was working on Superman, but with a character like Deadpool, uh, it, it really worked for me. Um, number three, there was a uh, there was an, a, a series called Vexed that Keith Giffen did. Do you remember that, Scott? It sounds it was vaguely familiar. Like 98, 99. He was... I forget the premise of the series, but the first issue made me laugh because it had Superman telling him that uh, if the toilet gives him trouble, to just jiggle the, the lever a little bit. <laughs> and and to just have Superman say that is funny. It's kind of like my number two, where Spider-Man teaches the Beyonder how to use the bathroom. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that was the Secret Wars two crossover, right? Where, uh, where, where <laughs> the Beyonder is with Spider Man, and he shows him. I mean, it's just ludicrous, but it's funny as hell at the same time. And it really wasn't played for like a big laugh; it just ended up that way. And number one, funny one of the funniest comics I ever read was the Justice League America Annual with Justice League Antarctica. 
where basically <laughs> they took what was then the Injustice Gang, which was like Big Sur and Clock King and like the losers of the supervillain community and made them the just put them in the Justice League, but they were in the Antarctic Embassy. So nothing happened, or nothing happened, and that was just kind of the the whole thing. But it's one of those issues that if you're a fan of the Giffen De Mateus run of Justice League, that is one of the most memorable ones, just because of just one the cast and two it was just hysterical. I haven't read it in years, but I remember getting to that, and it was just funny as hell. And I found out recently that uh, the artist, one of the artists on that annual was an instructor at the Kubert School at the time. And uh, my buddy Rob Kelly from the uh, Fire and Water podcast was a student at Kubert at the time. And he actually did a background like ink on one of the pages because the guy's just like, I got to go do something here. Ink this background. So it was like not getting paid, not getting credit, but first time working on a professional comic book page is apparently in that issue. So that makes it kind of cool to me too. But no, it's just seriously, any one of those track them down funny as hell. <laughs> apparently not that funny because no, Scott I'm just thinking how I hadn't thought <laughs> I ha I have never heard of any of them. So I, I was, I'm thinking I might have a couple in common with Scott, though. At least one. Oh, I'm sure there are at least one of them here, yeah. Um, I'm just going to fess up, man. You kicked my ass with this one. I because... thought it was a gimme. I thought I was throwing no, out a this... gimme. I thought you were joking about, like, oh, now no, I can work on this. Yeah, I, It's homework, man, because, all right, so full confession, I've never been a big fan of funny comics to begin with. I know that seems really strange when the name of the things are comic books, but I've never really liked funny comic books. I mean, I like my superheroes, you know, I like guys in their underwear beating the hell out of each other while they fly around cities, you know? So this was a really tough one for me. I really had to rack my brains. Now, number one was an obvious one, but uh, I'm going to go in reverse order here. And again, I went by titles because if I had to think of like the five, like what I thought were like the funniest single issues, Jesus, I, it would take me forever to yeah. come up with a list like that. And I had to compile this list, you know, in a hurry. So I, I may mean, end up reminding you of a lot. Yeah, you, you may actually, I because I'm sure this, this list would change tremendously if I really had time to like really seriously think about it. But uh, you know, just having, you know, <laughs> just a day essentially to kind of mull it over. This is what I came down to. So going in reverse order from five to one, um, number five, this, this is going way back. And I'm, I doubt very seriously that I would get much out of it these days as a, as an adult, but as a kid, I loved hot stuff. I just, mm. I don't know why I just, I loved those comics as a kid. I mean, you know, that, that whole Harvey line, they had a lot of different characters. They had Richie Rich and all these different ones. But the one that I always, for some reason, would always kind of gravitate to were always the hot stuff stories. And I have no idea why, but I, I just liked that character. I liked the little silly adventures he would get into and everything. So that's more kiddie comics probably than actual like funny comics. But I remember getting a kick out of them and, and thinking that they were funny when I was a kid. 
Um, number five, I haven't read this book in probably got, it's gotta be pushing 30 years. So it's very likely I'd read it today and go, well, that's really stupid. But at the time I thought the comedy was just like ingenious. And I think I only have just a couple issues. I don't even know how long the series ran, but the wins, the ones I read, I really enjoyed. It was called Nat Rat. And it was, (laughs) yeah, I remember those. You remember that? And the issue or issues that I had were a, a complete ripoff. Or, you know, it, it was poking fun at Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, because this was called Nat Rat. Uh, the Nat, the uh, Nat, what was it? Nat Knight Returns or something like that. The Dark Nat Returns, I think, is what it was. And on the cover, it was. Uh, an homage slash ripoff of the cover to Dark Knight number one, where the lightning is striking and illuminating Batman as he's leaping. This one is Nat Rat being hit by the lightning and like being electrocuted, which I, I just got a kick out of it. I just thought the the humor was really really funny because there were a lot of little in jokes. Um, I remember like THX one one three eight kept showing up throughout the issue. I remember. Uh, somebody's license plate was TM Maple or something like that. And just all these little like comic booky references that you kind of had to really be into comics to get at the time. But like I say, I haven't l- cracked that book open in, in you know in all these years. However years old, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean however old uh, Dark Knight is at this point, that's how long it's been since I looked at it. So I, my opinion could completely change looking at it today. But at the time, again. Thought it was really hysterical stuff. Number three, The Tick. And oh, how could I forget The Tick? All the spinoffs related to it. Because The Tick, while The Tick was a, a an ingenious book and I loved it, some of the spinoffs I actually liked even better than the core book of The Tick because there was Chainsaw Vigilante, which I thought was just a mm. hilarious book. Man-Eating Man Cow. At least, like, the first couple issues of that were just laugh out loud, like, bust a gut hysterical. Because the first issue of Man-Eating Cow is a complete spoof on Jaws. But instead of it being a killer shark killing people, it's a cow killing people. And it was just so friggin' ridiculous. It was hysterical. I loved it. And uh, there was another one called Paul the Samurai, which wasn't as funny as the other ones, but it was still pretty funny. I enjoyed that a lot. I, I liked that whole line, and uh, and I really wish that I had stuck with that book and gotten you know all the issues uh, you know related to the the Tick back then before it blew up into an actual like phenomenon for a time, and then those issues became really hard to find and very expensive. I don't know what they go for today, but for a time they were really expensive in the back issue market. And uh, and I love that stuff when it was still like a just a small undiscovered underground hit kind of thing. I loved that yeah, book. It's a, just a fun indie comic. Yeah. yeah, it was a blast. It was hard as hell to get those because the the company they were very inconsistent with the with the publishing schedule, and I kept moving. You know, that was like early '90s when I kept moving. You know, I was in the service, and I was living with you for a while, and I was in Rochester, and then I was in Watertown, and so between their crappy publishing schedule and my moving constantly, I never did. I or I bought a full subscription and then never even got all the issues. So, yeah, I have huge gaps in that collection. But the ones I have, I loved. Uh, number two, Amazing Man. Loved that book. I was so sad when they canceled it. 
and they tried a couple of times to kind of recapture it and, and bring it back, and it just wasn't the same. So ultimately, I'm glad there, there was just the 12 issues because those 12 issues are amazing. Uh, just a fantastic book. Very funny, uh, very lighthearted, and, and often very touching stories as well. Uh, Maze himself was just, he was just a fun little character. And again, I don't typically identify with funny looking little comic-y humorous characters but there was something about the sheer absurdity of that book that that he was just this bizarre little elmer fudd looking guy just trying to be sweet and do the right thing in this bizarre world that he lived in i i really dug that book a lot i thought it was fantastic and lastly no brainer this was the only one that immediately popped into my mind Destroy. Destroy. There's only one issue, so I hope that counts as a series. But oh, it counts. Day, it's it's simultaneously so many of my favorite things. It's it, I think it's the funniest <laughs> comic I've ever read, but it's also like the most awesome superhero battle you'll ever 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 read. Ever. <laughs> it's the comic to this day I still want most to become a big screen blockbuster movie. It has to be IMAX. Oh man, that movie would IMAX be awesome. 3D if IMAX 3D was made for destroy. Oh yes. Oh With my god. <laughs> can only dream. That's that's pretty much mine. All right. Well, I do I had so many. I have a bunch of uh um honorable mentions which I'll just whip off. Uh Flaming Carrot comics were hilarious. Uh, there was a, a single issue of League of Substitute Heroes mm. comic that I remember being hilarious. I still have it somewhere. I should dig that out and read it. it I almost put there's a there's an issue of DC Comics Presents with Superman and the Legion of Substitute Heroes by Keith Giffen. That if I was doing single issues, that would probably make my list because that was hysterical. A- another single issue was the comedy issue of uh, What If. That was oh Jesus! How did I forget that? that yep. Well, there might be a couple more of those on the list. Yeah. Was um, that the Was that the one with the the Awatu doing the Marilyn Monroe thing on the cover? <laughs> yes. Because that was the no, one where that's the you, second one is that the second one? The so. second one had uh, Galactus came to Earth and was in the body of Elvis, and it had this great thing of ma'am, the hunger gnaws. No, this this one I remember had a, some Frank Miller strips in it. Yeah, one of them was what, like that, the Human what, Torch pumping gas. The one you're thinking of with with Frank Miller doing Daredevil was what was uh, what if Daredevil was deaf instead of blind? Oh, that's <laughs> right. The, the villains are begging for mercy as he just beats the piss out of them, and the entire time they're begging for mercy, he's going, "What? What's that? Speak up! I can't oh. hear." And it's it's just hysterical. <laughs> terrible yeah. it's terrible but it's funny it was great okay so my number those are my honorable mentions number five was the first um hercules miniseries oh good it lord yes pop the second hercules series in there too if it didn't take such a serious turn at the end any comics by jr williams especially jr williams crap comics always hilarious that had the short story mr dead where it was uh, Mr. Ed fakes his death in order to freak out Wilbur so that he can steal his girlfriend. <laughs> Wilbur, why did you let me die? 
It was it's awesome. Um, Obnoxio the clown versus the X Men. Mm-hmm. A classic. Um, number two was comics book, C O M I C S book by John Chris Felucci, which is some of the most horrifying and great. It's like little kid funny book mixed with the most horrifying aspects of Ren and Stimpy. It's just awesome, and in a huge format. It's like probably as tall as Destroy, the individual issues were, but they're not as wide as Destroy. So it doesn't. It 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 equals Destroy in length, but not girth. And number one, Destroy. What else? I'm looking at it. I can't help but not look at it. It pokes out of my bookshelf. Like eight inches. Love that book. Oh my Have you ever God. read that, Mike? Have you ever read Destroy? No. Um, I was kind of soured on it before uh, I had read an interview with Scott McCloud about it uh, before I actually saw a copy because my friend Ryan loved it. But when I found out that it was basically just him trying to get rid of all of the superhero inclinations he had. It kind of just soured me on the entire yeah, project. Whatever. Like I, yeah, don't yeah, let his so. don't let his personal stuff get in the way of the just sheer awesome carnage that you could be enjoying. <laughs> I understand. It's just I, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I do stuff like, like that all the time, man. I understand totally. But I'm telling you, It's it's I know it's it's, it's it's got the it's got the the the, the panel because another friend of mine was really trying to sell me on it, and it's just like you don't see what it's saying, you don't see what it's saying as he's slowly getting closer and closer to the camera, and he's just saying destroy over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So there's there's just little tiny beats to it that are so funny. Uh, it's yeah. There's there's a scene where. You know, a whole city's being destroyed, and then there's physical comedy involving one tiny rock. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Boink. Boink. (laughs) It's just fucking awesome. You can bleep that, but it is effing awesome. (laughs) But that's all I... It's got a great punchline, too. That's That's the funny thing about it, is that the whole thing's a comedy, but then it also has just... A punchline. It's just there is... for a pun- it's the, It exists for the punchline, really. <laughs> it does. It's, it's a ridiculous punchline, but it cracks me up every single time I read that book. It's like, what? How? How? Every, every line in that, in some way, is a punchline, whether literally or <laughs> figuratively. Oh, yeah. Someday I'll go through it and just count the number of punches landed. <laughs> did you ever get the 3D one? Because they re-released it in 3D. I no, I never did. I remember it came out, but I I think you got it at some point, and I read it, but I kind of scoffed at it because it wasn't in the it was you know normal comic size. Yeah. So that sort of took away some of the the sheer energy of it. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's it's really cool to see it in 3D and everything, but yeah, the fact that they published it in just regular uh, comic format size, I mean, for as cool as the 3D was, it, it also lost something too, which was a shame. As an adult, it's great to open up a comic book that's kind of dwarfing you. 
You know, it's like re- <laughs> right. reading the newspaper. It's 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 awesome. It's in, it's an intimidating comic. <laughs> This book is to be neither an accusation nor a confession, and least of all an adventure. For death is not an adventure to those who stand face to face with it. It will try simply to tell of a generation of men who, even though they may have escaped shells, were destroyed by the war. This July 28th, In Country, a podcast covering Marvel Comics' The Nom presents All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm Tom Panneries, and to commemorate the centennial of the First World War, I will be dedicating a special episode to Eric Maria Remarque's all-time classic war novel. Along with the look at the novel, I will discuss two film adaptations and then take a quick glance at poetry and songs of the war to end all wars. That's this July 28th at incountry.potomatic.com. It's Megacom, the largest comic book, anime, gaming, and multimedia event in the southeastern U.S. returns. Megacon from March 21st through the 23rd, 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center in Magical Orlando, Florida. Confirmed comic book guests include Frank Bruner, Neil Adams, Bill Sinkevic, Mark Wade, Ron Mars, Greg Land, Michael Golden, Dennis Calero, George Perez, Brandon Peterson, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti, Collie Hamner, Carl Story, Renee Winterstater, Billy Tucci, and Brian Polito. Just added Nick Bradshaw, Adam Kubert, Dan Jurgens, Mike Miller, Kevin Eastman, Joshua Ortega, Digger, Bart Sears, Ethan Van Skyver, Mike McCone, Frank Thierry, Mike Mayhew, and Chuck Dixon. Confirmed media guests include stars from AMC's The Walking Dead, Torchwood, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Smallville, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many, many, many more. Plus I, Scott Gardner, will be there representing the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Tickets are available online now at www.megaconvention.com. Children 10 and under are free with paid adult ticket. That's Megacon 2014 at the Orange County Convention Center, Magical Orlando, Florida, March 21st through the 23rd. For information, contact info at megaconvention.com or visit www. Megaconvention.com. That's Megacon 2014. Be there. So we got to everybody's favorite part of the show. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. Comic. Everybody, if it's not your favorite part of the show, then leave the room right now. <laughs> Go make yourself a, a weakling sandwich and <laughs> let the real nerds listen to Chris as Michael and Scott get me to do something. 
That sounds like that the beginning awesome. of a deposition. <laughs> I was just gonna say that was that was an awesome intro. <laughs> All right. This month on Get Chris to Read, a goddamn superhero comic. I am reading Superman number two hundred and seventy-six. The fight to decide the superhero championship of the world. Although I didn't see a single judge in the whole story. <laughs> it starts. It was. I will say it right off the top. It's a jip. As far as the deciding who the superhero championship of the world is, it starts off when a little kid with the head of a grown man appears in Metropolis and says "creepies" a lot. <laughs> while he wonders where the hell he is. He sees Superman chasing a decoy, transparent flying lizard, so he is distracted from a real crime. Luckily, the kid, whose name is Willie Fawcett, and that's a good question, is also a superhero. Then he decides he will catch the robbers. So then, in a very... Where I started to get confused, he rubs his belt buckle and says his magic word, Thunder! Thunder. And shaboom! He is Captain Thunder. But Captain Thunder goes bad and helps the robbers and gives an I have had enough of you kick to Superman, (laughs) but then switches back to his little man (laughs) alter ego before Superman catches on to what's going on. The man-kid shows up at Clark Kent's office trying to find Superman. He tells his origin, which is just like Captain Marvel's except with an owl, an Indian, and a different word. THUNDER! (laughs) Which stands for Tornado, Hare, Urkel, Nature, Diamond, Eagle, Ram, Tango, Foxtrot. Somehow... He is here because he was fighting the universal monsters who put an evil Kirk spell on him and sent him to our dimension, or to whatever dimension is in this comic book. Superman and Lois are taking the kid for a hamburger when Superman sees a crime. He takes off, but Captain Thunder shows up, and Superman, wait for it, lures him outside of Metropolis for their super battle. Imagine that. Superman tricks him into saying thunder. And then, at the same time, Superman helps him out in rubbing his belt buckle. Then Superman puts the kid in a suplex and makes him thunder up. Then Superman talks Thunder Guy into going home to his own dimension and then goes and gets a steak with Lois as Clark Kent and then puts ketchup on his steak. The end. (laughs) That about got it all, right? Wow. Did I cover all that information in record time or what? Holy shit. Oh, man, yes. I think of all of the synopsis you've given, that is one of the most epic... I I swear I'm not, to, I'm not even kidding. I'm I swear not, I'm to God, to be funny or anything like that. Another just... shout out to Kelly Logue because this is one of the comics. Kelly, I was like, flip, 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 until I got to this one and I saw the cover and I said, that's the one right there. <laughs> that's the comic book that Chris needs to read. 
And it oh, was. Oh, my God. I haven't read this since I was a kid. Boy, howdy. It's, it's been a while since I've read it, too. I uh, I didn't read it as a kid, but this was part of the massive Superman buying I did over the last couple of years, and it was just... I really wanted to like this story. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you didn't like it? It's got super friction lightning. I uh, No, actually, I ended up being kind of disappointed. Uh, maybe I built it too much up in my head. But it was just like, really? This. Oh, really? Oh. Oh. It's got everything. It's got all the universal monsters. It's got are one of the most comic. offensive superheroes ever. It's just like, okay, we're going to take Billy Batson, but we're going to make it all Indian. And it's just like. Except he's a little that... white kid still with the head of a grown man. What is up yeah, with that? He's very. I don't think that can be overemphasized either. It is the head of a grown man. He's he's a really disturb. He looks like a little. He looks like a fidget man. I'll say it. I'll use a politically correct word. So you like this, Scott? Is this one of your favorite issues, or are you no? Just, well, just taking the piss out of me. Well, here's the thing: is that <laughs> it, it's it, much much like a Marvel Star Wars issue. <laughs> I, I can't separate my... I don't know what Marvel Star's issue hit this. <laughs> these <laughs> levels, man. <laughs> well, it's just the, the sense of not being able to detach yourself from the childhood nostalgia. Yes, it's stupid. I mean, I haven't read this, literally haven't read this since I was a child. It, it's one of those things where it's funny because I, I looked at the issue not long ago because I came this close to taking this issue with me to get it signed by um, Nick Carty, who did the gorgeous cover on this one. I really mm-hmm. love this mm-hmm. cover. I'll agree but with that. the only reason I didn't take it is that the copy I've got of this is abs. I mean, it, it's disgracefully beat up to a point where I, I just couldn't bring myself to take this to the artist. Like, Here, could you sign this and have him look at me like, what did you wipe your ass with it? Disintegrates I mean, in his it's, hand. It's, yeah, exactly. But, but at the same time, it would prove that it was a comic that you loved. Uh, it probably would. But it's funny because we ended up talking about that, and I'm I'm so mad that I don't have the recording because this was back before I bought my digital recorder. So I was just using the little MP3 player that I had at that time, and I lost the entire recording. But we actually talked about that because I told him, I said, I really wanted to bring, because uh, I think what it was, I think somebody ahead of me had brought that issue. And he ended up talking, because he was really gracious, because, I mean, he would give you as much time as you wanted to just shoot the shit with him, you know, because... You know, you, I think you and I, Mike, have talked about this before, that a lot of the old-time guys never have a line. You know, and Nick Cardi didn't have really any sort of line. So we just got this, just, you know, just shoot the breeze. And somebody had brought that comic and he was talking about it. And the guy, you know, got his comic signed and walked away, essentially. And so Nick and I continued the conversation about this issue. And I, I did mention it to him that, you know, I really wanted to bring it. But, man, my, my issue is just whipped. And he was like, oh, you know, you should have brought it anyway kind of thing. But I just told him, I said, well, I was just kind of embarrassed because it's in such horrible shape. But I've just always had a, a, a strong sentimental attachment to this issue because, you know, this was prior, uh, prior to 
Superman and Captain Marvel meeting each other, which wouldn't happen for another like that. two and a half years. I was going to ask that because Superman because Superman doesn't go. Geez, this guy is almost Captain Marvel, you know. Well, on the flip side, though, neither does he when he finally does meet Captain Marvel. Neither does he go. Gee, this guy reminds me of Captain Thunder. So it's yeah, just true. it's so bizarre. Because uh, a little over two years from this issue, he would meet Captain Marvel in Justice League of America, and then a couple more years after that, they'd beat the hell out of each other in the giant oversized Superman versus Shazam. Two and guys then, gotta talk about that. Is yeah, that what I'm saying? we do need to cover that one of these days. But, uh... This this was the first time it had happened. Now, granted, it's not Captain Marvel, but I mean, come on, it's obviously Captain Marvel. This is at a time when what what year is this? This is seventy four. So I was six. Captain Mar or uh, Shazam, the TV series. I don't know if it was still on the air, but had been on the air. I you know, and I just absorbed that show. I was like, I loved it. I was a huge fan. So I mean, this was like my two favorite guys getting together, and. Again, I mean, to my child mind, I didn't realize how stupid the story was. It, to me, it was just good, clean fun, you know? And this is at a time when, and I think the, the inking has a lot to do with it as well, but this is at a time when I was still in love with Kurt Swan's Superman. And you rarely saw Kurt Swan's Superman really open up and just clobber somebody. And in this one, I mean... They exchanged some good blows. I love on page six where Superman's just had enough and he just hauls off and just punches Cap right in the gut. Man. He's had it's, enough of you. It's awesome. I love it. Superman has had enough. I love his, that backwards kick he does. Uh, <laughs> chop, it says, too. But when well, Superman punches him, it's crumb. Well, Superman that. also has some really... It's so funny because, I mean, this is this is definitely the stuff that, like, formed my impressions and my opinion of Superman. But at the same rate, reading it now after all these years, Superman's got some just goofy-ass lines. Because right after he sees Cap for the first time, he says, You're awfully tough for someone as flabby as you. I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> what a wow, super dick. why are you calling dick. me fat, you jackass? <laughs> and then later on, when uh, when Captain Mar uh, Thunder comes back the second time, or, well, comes back the first time, the second time we see them fight, he after Superman freezes him in the cloud and he breaks free, Captain Thunder grabs Superman. He's swinging him around, and Superman says... Again, very un-Superman, like, hey, let go! I'm like, come on, Superman doesn't say that. Superman says, you know what, let go or I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> it's, just, it's so funny to see this kind of dialogue from Superman. And, alright, I, I had always known that one of my biggest geek out moments in the Superman movies is when he shears the top of the mountain off in Superman four. I've always loved that scene because I for one thing, I love the effects in that scene, but also I always liked the comic book cheesiness of it because I knew I had seen that somewhere before, but I could never remember where this is the issue where he does that. He uses his heat vision and shears off the top of a mountain 
and then he doesn't use it to plug a volcano. He smashes Captain Thunder with it. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I don't know, man. I mean, I know it's not a great story. And it, I mean, for Elliot S. Megan, it's a pretty cheesy and kind of goofy ass story. But dude, I <laughs> loved it. I loved it for all of its just pure friggin' wackiness. And well, like the not... invisible lizard monster. How? What? What? <laughs> has... so this is obvious distraction. It's like, what does this happen all the time? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Plus, plus the thing of, all right, so Superman ends up defeating Captain Thunder by making him say his magic word. And yeah, it's not gay at all how he helps him rub his belt buckle. Well, there's that. But he he does this. He's able to trick him because, okay, where is it? I've got to read this. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's it's quite a stretch to do it. Only super wits can defeat Captain Thunder in his maddened frame of mind. This is Superman thinking to himself. I've studied his speech and behavior patterns enough to predict how he'll react to my actions. So then Superman... Yeah, exactly. Superman causes lightning to strike which makes Captain Mar- uh, Captain Thunder s- deliver this entirely goofy little diatribe until he finally wraps up. The last word is Thunder, and Superman says, Ha, my trick worked. And I'm thinking, there's no f***ing way that you could have predicted that that was going <laughs> And then, And at the, that, that same time, get in there, grab his hand, and make him rub his own belt buckle. <laughs> What is up with the rub in the belt buckles? That was always, wasn't that always like, that was like a euphemism back in those days for having sex, like polishing belt buckles, was it? Or like making out or something. I'm assuming since you already had your, still had your belt on, it wasn't actual sex, but there was like some sort of. I think that's kind of what bugs me about this is that, well, not the rubbing the belt buckle, that's just disturbing on like, you know. levels upon levels of oh my god what is wrong with you but well, yeah the scene of superman gripping a little kid in a death grip while the kid rubs his belt buckle is a little disturbing too <laughs> creepies is but, what uh, it is but but for me this is like the ultimate fake out you know yes. right like you know this is a cheat you know end of the day this is them going you know well here's someone with really equivalent Captain amount Marvel. of strength but then you got to wonder, are they legitimately trying to, like, sell this as maybe a new version of Captain Marvel for for, for this era? I mean, like, you know, we, we can't use the real one, but we're going to use this one. Or is it just... <sighs> I don't think just... so, because it's so... I mean, come on. For one, it doesn't make sense because otherwise, you Captain have to start Marvel. With, Come on, it's not good. Yeah, so, I here's mean, I, I did a lot of uh, a lot of research on this issue because I wanted to know the the not only the chain of real events but also the chain of events in my own mind. I was wondering, did this inform my knowledge of Captain? Did this maybe start? my fascination with Shazam and Captain Marvel. And it didn't because I looked it all up and the TV series was out. The comic Shazam, Mm -hmm. the revival of Captain Marvel with DC comics was running concurrently with this issue. They were up to like issue like 15 or something while this issue was on the stands. 
So why the hell didn't they just use Captain Marvel? That's what I didn't understand. I thought that this was clearly before the revival of Cap, and it's not. So I, I did some reading around, and the uh, the best I could find was that um, Elliot S. Megan and it must have been Julie Schwartz, I guess, him and someone uh, involved with like editorial, and I'm pretty sure it was Schwartz, they were of the opinion that Cap and Superman must exist in separate universes, that they, they should not you know, share the, you know, they shouldn't share the page together. For whatever the hell reason, they both thought this, and, and this is why they wanted to do this story, but they didn't want it to be the real characters. So they did it this way, and they created Captain Thunder. I don't have a problem with that necessarily, except for the whole Indian thing, which makes not a lick of friggin' sense. So if you're going to go with, this is all Indian base, and, and all, then why the hell isn't Cap, I don't know, why isn't he sporting like a feather headdress, or, or just yeah. why isn't he an Indian? I don't understand why he's just he's just a white guy. It doesn't. He's just Captain Marvel with a different insignia, basically. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, so there's what's... a lot of things, and like he's known as Captain Thunder, but that's his code word, and Captain Marvel right. is known as Captain Shazam. So, right, so yeah, so he little... can't even say his own name, so he, he, he winds up being like Captain Marvel Jr., you know, that can't can't say his own name without turning back. Well, then again, maybe that's why they did the belt buckle thing. So oh. he could say his name so long as he doesn't... So as long as he's not his rubbing belt his belt buckle. buckle. Which is just... Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, for one thing, the whole Indian... The, like, the Indian handing him the belt and, like, rub your belt buckle... That's just, I mean, there Indians had belts and stuff, sort of like, but not like belt, buckle belts, you know, they were like tie, th- it's just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Why couldn't they have him have almost the same origin as Shazam anyway? Why did he have, you know, they have to come up with Well, this? to be fair, that's a, cre- I mean, okay, so let, let, let's add in went to abandoned subway tunnel with mysterious stranger to rubbing yeah. your belt buckle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that 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 that's not really making the situation. All no, that they, yeah. I mean, literally the 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 kid with the little man head, and he's always saying creepies, which is a, a, a creepies and like shaboom or whatever is, you know, the the sound that was that made. They were all just so cheesy to the point of where it's almost like made to be throw throwaway. It's like we can't use Shaboom ever again or Creepies, you know. Nobody's going to want to read Creepies issue no, after, after issue. This. So this guarantees... <laughs> I mean, this just taints it. Creepies. And this kid says Creepies every 10 <laughs> seconds, too. Well, Billy said Holy Moly every 10 That's seconds, true. too, so... I'm just thinking that between that one cover, I think it's Action Comics, a cover of uh, Jonathan Ross or John Ross crying into his pillow while uh, Superman undresses, coupled with these two bottom (laughs) panels on the uh, bottom of page 18 of Superman holding Willie the way that he is here. I I, I think this is making a really good argument for the fact that Superman really shouldn't be allowed to be around children. There should be a straining you, you, you really get no you can't babysit superman i'm sorry <laughs> you just you just do it i mean I, yeah you're superman i mean because because to be fair i mean 
through his entire defense was, come on, I'm Superman. Come on, we're going to believe you. Is the Fortress of Solitude going to be on those watch site web lists, you know? (laughs) Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of penguins putting up, like, you know, (laughs) this guy lives near us poster all around the Antarctic. Tell me that if you didn't take that fifth panel on page 18 strip all the dialogue off it and just post just that picture up on facebook that you wouldn't have a legion of people going what what the hell is going on right here what's happening well yeah (laughs) or or back or just or with with the words we're loosen up a bit where superman's behind him clutching him from behind and he's like loosen up a bit superman so I can rub my belt buckle and make it back home. Thunder! It almost looks like there's tears about to come out of his eyes, too, you know? It's, yeah, it's all sketchy. But, I mean, uh, it's from a more I, innocent guy. That's where he guy. goes to his happy place. It's just oh, Jesus. <laughs> God, at that top panel Thunder's on page a safe word, guys. Where, where Superman's got... <laughs> Superman's got Thunder and a full Nelson... I hate to admit this, but uh, it does really look like Thunder's starting to sport a little wood right there. It's not light at all. Oh yeah, my god. Uh, I, th- I think somebody really needs to come in and stop us. Yeah, <laughs> this is wrong. Chris, I cannot believe that you have not mentioned. Do you not remember in J-Men Forever when the Cape Madman would turn into the Cape Madman? What did they say instead of Shazam? I don't remember. It would play the tune. It would go shaboom, shaboom. shaboom. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god, that would be a great commentary. Except you can't really do a commentary over something like that because we'll be like, "There's a good joke." <laughs> hey, there's well, a mean, good the, joke. The best, the best parts of the entire thing are the Cape Madman parts, yes. anyway. Especially when he throws the engine block. That shit cracks me up every single time. <laughs> I was, every single time, because it's. And Mike, have you ever seen the uh, Adventures of Captain Marvel serials? Uh, no, but I remember you talking about this. You, you've got to see it because. When I find, you know, cuz I had seen Jamin forever like a 100 times before I it's, ever saw the original serial that right. it, you know, serials that it was based on. So I finally when it when it came out on videotape back in the 90s, I bought The Adventures of Captain Marvel cuz I was so excited. Oh my god, this is finally out on video. And it's really good. I mean, it holds up for for something that's, you know, as old as it is. It holds up remarkably well today. So I'm watching it, and it gets to the part in the thing that where they took the part <laughs> out of it and used it in J-Men Forever. The, the bad guys drop an engine block on Captain Marvel. They're trying to kill him, and they drop this engine block on him, and he catches it and just throws it back at them with no regard whatsoever that, Jesus Christ, this is an engine block. It's hysterical. It is absolutely, you know, both both in the original serial and in the comedy version. Either way, it's still equally hysterical. Well, it, he just doesn't give a shit at all that he's going to kill these guys. It's, it's the Firesign Theater. So, like, the first time you watch J-Men Forever, you're laughing your ass off, but you're missing half the shit. Right. You're just, you're just like, there's just these outward, you know, on-the-surface jokes that are hilarious and you're like, wow, that was really good. But you think of it as kind of fluffy. Then on further watchings, it's on just layer, 
layer after layer after layer of puns and references. It's just awesome. They did one called Hot Shorts, too, that was yeah. redubbed old movie serials. I had that one on video at some point, mm-hmm. too. I don't know what the hell I ever remember. Happened. I remember us watching those over at um, when we lived on Monroe Avenue. Yeah. I think my copy of J-Men Forever on VHS is a dub that you ran off for me, actually. You know, I, I, I don't say this very often, mostly because I don't think this very often, but... Uh, I, you know, I, I grew up on Kurt Swan, you know, Kurt Swan Superman. I love Kurt Swan Superman, but I always love it in that kind of like nostalgic childhood. Well, you know, this is just how it was back in the day kind of way. But I seldom think of Kurt Swan Superman as exciting or dynamic or particularly artful. But I mean, this this one issue makes me eat a lot of my words of late about Kurt Swan because it is artful dynamic and the the fight scenes i mean it's no rich buckler you know in the in the superman versus shazam but still the fight scenes are pretty exciting excuse me except for the fact that if you're just to flip through this like i'm doing right now you just casually flip through without reading the dialogue it looks like a whole lot of superman running away from a fight which is kind of unfortunate but really what he's doing is he's, you know, he's trying to move the fight away from the populace, which, you know, always a good move, Superman. We appreciate that. But uh, it's Imagine just that I, I, I do get a kick out of it. You guys I, don't want to go down that road with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what road you're talking about. But how the hell did they get away with using the, uh, the universal monsters here? Aren't those trademarked licensed characters or are they not? You see, I think like, like Frankenstein's mon- it's it's weird like you could do a Frankenstein comic it couldn't look like the universal Frankenstein <laughs> these are obviously the they universal are guys. I mean they're like the action figures of the universal right. monsters they are just I I don't know how how that happened like Gilman is definite like you they created him you can do, you know, you can do any variation of Dracula or the Mummy or the Wolfman that you want, but these, I mean, they're just the Universal monsters. Yeah. No matter. I thought it was cool. They they call them here the Monster League of Eagle, Evil, which is a take on the Monster Society of Evil. So they were. No, it's just a play the, on words. The, the Monster League of Evil. I mean, you you're you're really inhibiting your job growth <laughs> potential. With that, I just want everyone yeah. to know that. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a good club to form. What did you think of it, Chris? I loved it. But, I mean, in just, you know, the the sense of this... I'm a fan of surrealism. <laughs> and this is <laughs> yeah, definitely get, surreal, you know? Yeah, it doesn't get much more surreal than this, yeah. This is this the the enjoyment I get from this is the same kind of enjoyment I get from the um Gold Key Star Trek. You know, just it's sort of just that time period. The writing was anything goes back in those right. days. And in a way it's almost pure it, it's pure imagination and it has that sort of rolling sense of improvisation that a story little a little kid would tell right has to it it's just like 
oh yeah, and now and Captain Thunder actually is is but when he turns into Captain Thunder, Captain Thunder's evil because uh, cursed by the Universal Monsters. Yeah, said the if next you know and and that's just how it rolls until the very <laughs> end and and Superman wins by wrestling move by holding a wrestling move. There's never any contest. There's never any championship or anything. They 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 sort of wind up as as buddies, I guess, in a way, or you know, or at least you know, on special friends. Yeah, yeah, very special. Fr- but it, it's it's funny. I was expecting some sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that it's episode of Different Strokes. Laugh really hard at my ass. <laughs> But I, I enjoyed the hell out of I mean, I, I, I picked it out and I'm like, this looks like it should be interesting. And I'm and then I'm like, I'm sure this is something that probably Michael and Scott already have or are familiar with in some way, shape or form. So I was I was putting that into the equation. But then when I cracked it open and started reading it, I was just like, this this is going to be a no brainer for get for at least for my book report. As soon as I saw that little kid with the full-grown male head, it was just like, "Oh, this book's gonna give me all sorts of, <laughs> all sorts of fuel." And then they're rubbing belt buckles, and it's yeah. I mean, come on, that just that just that this exists <laughs> is amazing. The ads are amazing. I noticed DC was maybe it was, I don't know. This is a Superman comic. But like the ads for the upcoming DC comics are make it seem like DC was very like horror and supernatural based. That there's a weird war, witching hour, phantom stranger, weird mystery, and then all the other the comics look like they're just wild. Like there's one of Superman getting ready to out of action comics getting ready to fly out of the window, and Perry White's actually going to save the plane leaping out of his window right that's, oh, that's gotta be equally as... got the super cigars or something like that <laughs> yeah okay uh, so that's I... gotta be just right along <laughs> this vein right not that <laughs> for the love of god not the super cigars is that next you know, month I'm, is that next I month am... i smell a super cigar and get chris to read? if you want to track down a super cigar story sir be my guest you what's the on one mike what's the one late in the uh just before the crisis there was a, a super cigar story that's actually was, believe it or it not like 408 or 409 let me let me see is it action or is it white no. are you no, guys know, saying like perry white had that. a stash of super cigars no. and every once in a while there'd be a super cigar story when you'd break ex- them out exactly there was oh one God. where he got hurt really bad and was in the hospital and they thought he was gonna die and so he called Superman to his bedside and told him he had one last wish and, and Superman's like yes of course Perry anything he says uh, I want a stogie <laughs> so Superman you know he's instead of saying you're on your friggin' deathbed. You're in the hospital. You right. can't have a stogie, right? right? You know? Nope. Okay, I'll go and I'll get you a stogie. So did he goes. Superman light it with his heat vision. I think he did actually. Oh, wow. And and Perry's. Uh, so he's holding Perry's hand, and Perry's smoking the stogie. And all of a sudden, Superman's like, "Perry, you're 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 gripped. hurting my hand," and. 
somehow Superman had forgotten, apparently, that he had given back, like, way back in the Silver Age, had given Perry this, like, stash of, like, super Cubans or something. And, you know, this was, <laughs> like, one like of the... That comic in itself. The super. This was, like, one of the last ones. And it was... It, it healed up Perry, and for a short while, you know, he had Superman-like powers. It, but it was a callback to some ancient story from the from the Silver Age where, yeah, he had super cigars. Okay, I know what Chris is going to read next month. <laughs> and I will send it to you. Okay. Superman number 408. Right, it is Superman dealing with the nuclear arms race in the comics. Ah, is the sun involved in any way? No. Oh, but oh. 408... Let's see. It's the one where he's on the cover going, you did it. You maniacs. <laughs> you blew it up. Yeah. So actually, it's a, it's a pretty decent story. All things being Somebody actually uh, put it uh, on Google Images. Uh, I found somebody put it right next to the Superman 4 poster. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. They did it. They finally had a nuclear war, and nobody survived except me. And then his glasses broke. <laughs> I, had, I had time. I had time at last. There was time. Oh, this is totally in that era just before... Uh, yeah, where they were just like happened. shoving every inventory oh, yeah. story they could out yeah. there. All the quality is all <laughs> over the friggin' map with these like lines. Some issues are actually kind of good. You're like, hey, this is kind of cool. Like like four four oh nine and four ten, that whole story with Lex Luthor. Right. That is it's all like really good stuff. And then you have like, well, here's Superman as he's a warrior on Mars. And you're like, who gives a shit? <laughs> Supergirl's secret marriage. Dude. Again, who gives? That was a crisis crossover yeah. too. This is Zan of the Wonder Twins, apparently. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. The quality is all over the friggin' place in that last year or so on the title. All right, well, that should be interesting. And if it's not Super Cigars, <laughs> Super Cigars for everyone. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Hello, <laughs> 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 
life could be a dream If I could take you up in paradise up above If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love Life could be a dream, sweetheart Hello, hello again Shaboom and hoping we'll meet again Oh, life could be a dream If only all my precious plans would come true If you would let me spend my whole life loving you Life could be a dream, sweetheart Now every time I look at you Something is on my mind If you do what I want you to Baby, we'd be so fine Oh, life could be a dream If I could take you up in paradise Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E F-R-E-A-K-S You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Hello, hello again, shaboom, and hoping we'll meet again, boom, shaboom. Hey, la dee ding dong la lang la lang la lang shaboom ba do ba do ba do ba be Life could be a dream, life could be a dream, sweetheart. Life could be a dream, if only all my precious plans would come true. If you would let me spend my whole life loving you Life could be a dream, sweetheart